Welcome to Make Work Fun, the podcast exploring the fun side of the creator economy. We're the show all about business with a bit less of the business. I'm Ben Bradbury. And we are back with another episode of Make Work Fun, your one-stop shop for everything, everywhere, all about the creator economy while having some fun in the process. I'm Ben, joined as always by the wonderful, the one and only Brett Dushevsky. How are you doing today, Brett? I am doing well, Ben. Uh, I am excited to be doing this podcast in person. In person. Actually. So we get to see each other's faces on a screen and in person. So this is going to be a unique situation for me, but <laughs> we have to have an actual real in-life conversation, which uh, yeah. is becoming more and more rare nowadays. Let's go. High five for that. Boom. There. Yeah, this is... Uh, hear it. Hear the skin. Yeah, right. You can hear, hear the... Boom. <laughs> hear the sound barrier snap with that. Yeah, this is Brett's first in-person podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So big moment for Brett. Let's go through what we're going to talk about today. We've got some good segments. So I'm going to kick us off in a minute by talking about one of the most established sports networks out there at the moment, ESPN, Mm. and them launching their own creator network. Then we're going to get into Adam Masseri and uh, credit to him saying that Instagram may have gone the wrong direction with some of its creator focused decisions. And then, Brett, you're going to tell us a little bit about this uh, new revelation with YouTube Shorts, aren't you? I am indeed. And hey, it Good on Adam Museri for for owning up to his mistakes and announcing that they have a lot to uh, a lot of work to do, which we'll dive into. But yeah, YouTube, uh, who's actually serving creators pretty well, announced uh, a really big revenue share that they'll be uh, building out. So uh, going to dive into that and how it's going to affect creators and really make them the most prolific creator platform out there. I believe. Love it. Well, let's kick off from the world of sports with ESPN. ESPN are launching their own creator network, and it's focused entirely on growing content creators on TikTok. So it's going to provide up-and-coming creators with access to sports properties and resources. Now, what I think is kind of interesting about this is... The way that people are consuming sports, we just finished the US Open and Alcaraz won the men's final. I went to go and watch him play in the quarterfinals. It was a five hour match. It was huge. I had to leave in the third set because I was getting so tired at half past midnight. But the majority of people will have consumed that in a seven minute highlight clip, maybe even less. People just want to see the shot where he hit it behind the back or see where he won set point. Like Increasingly, it's getting more and more chopped up. And so I think ESPN are are responding to this largely. So the first foray for them, their first creator network is going to feature 10 creators, focus on TikTok. It's going to run for about a four-month pilot, and it's in a partnership with a social-led content agency. So again, note how they don't need to produce everything in-house. They're leaning on experts to augment their creator potential. So Brett, what do you think this means for creators? We've talked about big companies like Walmart going down a similar route before. This is one of the biggest companies in sports getting into uh, the creator economy. What do you think this signals? I think the Walmart example is pretty similar to what ESPN is doing here, right? Two massive legacy corporations that are entering into the creator economy space and taking advantage of what is growing there. I think ESPN realizes that they can no longer command the world of sports content and that there are so many other folks and and creators out there who are producing content that is potentially gathering more views, more eyeballs than ESPN's own content. And so their only way to keep up and to prevent themselves from being taken over by individual creators is to partner with them um, and find ways to work together share similar content in a sense, but the creators are able to get on a more individual level and work with their audience. So 
this is a great signal. Uh, it's a good move by ESPN to stay relevant uh, and to keep up with the the fast growing pace of, of sports news uh, and sports content that is seen on TikTok, right? Like I saw Wimbledon content was out there for a solid week, solid week and a half while it was relevant and then mm-hmm. it disappeared. This uh, allows them to capitalize on all that and and have creators be at the forefront of it and provide them the resources that that they need. You know, what's interesting about sports as well is that it's very segmented by nature of the industry. You can be a really hardcore basketball fan and not give a shit about curling or football or whatever other kind of sport comes your way. And so what you end up with is this ability to build really diehard niches. If you're a fan of a sport and you're a fan of a team, you really live for that team. And I think that's part of the thing that ESPN is is tapping into here is that we either want to tap into these big cultural moments with sports, like the Super Bowl or like Wimbledon, as you've said, like these big ones that a lot of people pay attention to, or we want to follow our niche passions. Everything else in the middle is kind of just getting wiped out. We don't need to go to linear TV and kill an hour on whatever. I can go to Netflix and watch what I want to watch. Or now I can go to TikTok and watch one of ESPN's creators with their sports. And I don't necessarily think it's it's that ESPN as a television channel is disappearing or the longer form content that ESPN puts out is disappearing. It's more that these very quick, big, symbolic timing and sports is is being covered by creators more and we're getting our content from TikTok. And, and these creators are just going to be able to serve as um, that method for where people are consuming. And I could imagine ESPN starts to find creators in specific geographical areas. So, you know, there's, there's key creators that maybe are focused on Philadelphia sports, mm. or there's creators who are focused on, you know, European soccer. Because there's definitely creators out there who are focused on those areas, like big Eagles fans, Giants fans, and folks who report on on soccer going on in Europe. And if they snag those folks up, I mean, those are where people are getting their attention. And if they're tied back to ESPN, I mean, that's that's great for both the creator and ESPN as a company. I do think it's interesting that TikTok is taking a page out of Twitch's playbook, though, where now they've just launched this live subscription feature. So you can pay a certain amount of money per month to a creator. I have my doubts about this. I think TikTok is great for that short-term dopamine hit and short-term payoff, but is it a place where I go to build community, to build relationships? Probably not. Like we've talked about this before, but Twitch, you can consume hours of content. Same with YouTube. You don't really tend to do the same with TikTok. And so I do wonder how they're going to incentivize these creators. It's kind of a little bit of a gray area. Like if they're a sports creator, does that mean that they get tickets to the game? Do they get flights? How do they do it with merch? I think ESPN has a lot of questions to answer. I think a big incentive for these probably younger creators who are Gen Z is that they could potentially be signed by ESPN as you know an, an anchor for one of the sports shows down the line or an analyst. And that would be wise for ESPN because they're like, oh man, like look at Ben, who's been covering European soccer. He's developed a, a massive following. And now we're going to sign him to be a, a sports analyst on ESPN. And the hope is that all of those viewers that grew up watching you on TikTok and whatnot, come over to ESPN's longer form and get the content from you. And so ESPN is essentially making an investment in, I guess, future talent. Mm. So maybe they're going to pay them out. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's definitely has to be some upfront money involved, but for that creator, there's that incentive of like, Ooh, I, you know, I can be this next big personality on TV. 
You know, that's really cool because what you see in sports a lot is this transition from professional athlete to commentator. And a lot of the people who are in the pundit box, they were previously people who've gone through the sport. But now we're seeing this second evolution of people who start young as commentators and creators and bring their own built-in audience to the party. And so in a few years' time, there is literally going to be contract negotiations between the ex-professional athlete who wants a handsome chunk of change because of his or her experience, or the creator who wants a handsome chunk of change because of his or her audience. And we're going to be pitting those two against each other, where can the caliber of talent that you get from playing the sport go up, up against the moat that you get from having a, a built-in group of people who really love you already? The athletes already, in a sense, have an audience, right? They're just labeled as fans mm. uh, and the, the folks that come into the stadium and watch. And athletes, in a way, are creators as well. Their craft and what they're creating is just on the field and has that competition involved. So they still bring that that audience and that unique perspective because they are actually playing on the field, on the court, wherever it may be. Now, it makes me think of college athletes. Uh, recently, the NCAA announced college athletes can make money off their name, image, and likeness. And so I'd be curious to see how that becomes incorporated with ESPN's creator focus, because there are surely college athletes who are creating content on TikTok, on YouTube, and who can maybe begin to start commentating on whatever sport that they play in. And that's great for ESPN to pick up. And then that allows the college athlete to make money off their name, image, and likeness, uh, which then, you know, if they don't make it to the big leagues, they can go and become analysts for ESPN. So I think there's a lot of routes that ESPN can take with this, but it's really awesome to see that they are capitalizing on the rise of the creator economy and recognizing that a lot of the Gen Z eyeballs are not on the ESPN website or on the, you know, the, the cable channel. They are on TikTok, YouTube shorts, wherever it may be. And they're going to be there as well with this new program. Well, another place that Gen Z's eyeballs most certainly are squarely looking is Instagram. And something that we both want to talk about today is the problems that Instagram is facing. And they literally said that they are falling behind on creator satisfaction recently. So Adam Masseri, who is part of Zuckerberg's inner circle, the head of Instagram, he told staff that Instagram is losing creators to TikTok and YouTube. And what's kind of interesting here is he believes it doesn't just boil down to consumer behavior or market trends, a lot of which you're really just reacting to. In his case, and credit to him, he takes responsibility and says this is due to creator satisfaction. Now, when I think about Instagram, Historically, I see that as a photo sharing platform. That's what I've used it for to share my photography, my adventures, whatever that is. But it's really the it's it's a photographic medium to me. And now they're going so hard into video that it's actually prompted Masseri to say they've probably gone too far. And as actually prompted him to say as well, like photographers are still relevant on the app. I mean, if you're going ahead and saying that in a press release, you've probably gone a little bit too far in it. So Brett, what do you make of this? Is Masseri on the money? Is he wide? How should we be thinking about this? I believe one of our first episodes, we we talked about Instagram rolling out new features that essentially turned the uh, legacy Instagram feed into what was basically rivaling TikTok. And it was pretty overwhelming. And so I understand Instagram's motive uh, motives to focus on short-term video because that is where the data is pointing them to. But for the, the creators who've built 
followings on Instagram, it was around photos. It was around sharing still images and maybe some videos, but it gave a glimpse into the personal side some, sometimes of, of these creators. And with videos now being the forefront and videos being what you need to post in order to get reach, I find that it's just overwhelming for creators because they're like, well, I built this amazing following sharing photos of, of my cupcakes. Now I need to do videos and I don't have the energy to do videos. People loved my photos of the cupcakes. And Instagram has basically hurt all of these influencers. I guess you can call them influencers on Instagram. Oh, yeah. That's where they were coined, where the term was coined from them. <laughs> but they, they feel this... this Is that true, by the way? Did influencer come from Instagram? I, I think Instagram was one of the first like influencer-focused platforms. Like That's where, mm. it's, that's where it became like, very mainstream. Okay. Right? Sure. Tap um, the culture. Fair enough. Yeah, the, the culture kind of started there. Uh, but now Instagram has been too much trying to be who they are not. And that just tends to be Meta's issue in general. And, and creators, I feel like, are having an identity crisis on there. And it's just like a terrible, terrible relationship that's going on. They're going through, I feel like, a big breakup or this is just a, a hiccup in, in the Instagram influencer relationship. So uh, I'm hoping that because this was admitted publicly that they'll be able to really delve into what creators need and want on the platform and actually make it a, a safe haven for them where they can grow and, and make good money and connect with audiences. All right. So let's say for a second, you are CEO of Instagram. Oh boy. You get to make all the decisions. You wave your magic wand. You have all the power. How would you fix this platform? What changes would you make? Well, I'd be interested to first just see the data. I, you know, I trust that data is what is driving their decisions, but sometimes data isn't everything, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a quote by Paul Graham that, you know, following the data is great, but also like don't let it you know, steer clear of what your customers want or what your vision is. And, mm -hmm. and I find that Instagram was an amazing platform for still images and, and it did, it performed really well there. And yeah, eyeballs were running over to TikTok, but perhaps they weren't patient enough to realize that folks would still want to come back to Instagram to see what their friends were doing, to see what their their favorite creators slash influencers were up to uh, in a way that wasn't just like the same platform that they were just on. Mm. There's something great about and refreshing about like me coming to Twitter from TikTok because they're two different platforms. Now, if I go from TikTok to Instagram, it's like these are the two same platforms and mm. I'm just going to go to TikTok because they do it better. So if I was Adam Musseri and I was in his role, bringing in the big bucks uh, I would probably just speak one-on-one -on -one with uh, users of Instagram. I think that would be unique. Uh, maybe host like open houses to hear what, what folks uh, and users want and creators want and build a platform that matches those demands, which I think would come back to still images and folks being able to see what their friends are up to and, and leveraging those feeds. But I don't know. I, I would really need to think more about that. But I'm going to turn it on you, Mr. Bradbury. I just resigned from my position as CEO of, of Instagram. <laughs> That's a short tenure. Short, short Three tenure. And a half I just, uh, yeah. I guess my open houses didn't do too well. <laughs> and you are now faced with with that same decision. What would Ooh. you do as CEO of Instagram, dealing with all these TikTok issues and demands from creators and users? I think we can learn from the world of podcasting here. And podcasting has a really juicy stat where the average American listener listens to around seven to eight different podcasts per week. There's not many podcasts. You can count them on your hand. The reason why they listen to such a low number of podcasts is the podcasts are very intimate. They're a very personal experience. And I think 
using apps, it's very unlikely that I'm going to use two apps that have a very similar function. Likewise, it's unlikely that I'm going to listen to a podcast that has a similar function. So when I'm trying to grow our creator shows, I don't need to get a fintech creator on another fintech show or a franchise creator on a franchise show. I want to get a franchise creator on a small business show or a lifestyle entrepreneurship show or a wealth generation show or a crypto show, like shows that are augmenting that particular industry. And I think app usage is very similar. So part of the trap, and this is me with my CEO hat on now, I think part of the trap that my company is falling into is that Instagram is increasingly trying to do the same job as TikTok. But as you've said, they're just not doing it as well. And they're, they're making the mistake of trying to clone a very specific part of TikTok, which is this uh, interest-based discoverability without building a, a system to support it. Instagram's based off of social and friend sharing. So what I would try and do is create much more intimate experiences around those that you really love and make it a combination of people, so social Instagram, and then interests. That to me are the two key things. Like for me, I use Instagram for my friends and then for shuffling and music, which is like my other big passion. If I have those two things, I can use the app really nicely. So I wonder if there would could be some kind of community-based feed. I think Twitter has done a pretty good job of this initially with their Twitter communities. Like I'm part of a good podcasting community, which is closed content around the ecosystem. Could you create scrolling experiences that mirror that on the platform as well? Oh, so like be real in a sense where it's just your friends and family that you can uh, see on your feed. I think that Instagram, again, moved really quickly to combat TikTok. But the issue with TikTok is that it's not so much a social network than it is an entertainment hub because there really aren't those one-to-one connections that you you would get, let's say, on what Instagram used to be. And now Be Real stepped in, providing those one-to-one intimate connections because you follow your friends and family, see what they're doing in real time, and you can comment and whatnot. And it does feel like Instagram back in the old days. So I think Instagram's all of a sudden like, oh, shit. Be Real just hopped in. Maybe if we just waited a little bit longer and didn't move to mimic TikTok that we would have continued to be that intimate platform where there are those connections. Well, it's like, it's a spectrum. So Be Real is on one side of the spectrum with all friends and family. And then TikTok is on the other end of the spectrum, basically all interest-based. The whole world. Yeah, the whole world, exactly. I think Instagram is a sweet spot in the middle. Right. So you can be friends and family. You can take inspiration from Be Real, but you can also take inspiration from TikTok and the interest. And that's where I think they have a real opportunity is yes, serve me content from people that I know. And maybe this is when you follow, maybe when you follow an account, you should say, Hey, this is in the friend bucket, or this is in the interest bucket. And then they, the algorithm can kind of pass those automatically, but you like, can't blend them. Yeah. You, you can do, uh, you can choose like close, close friends on, yeah. on Instagram, yeah, but yeah. still the feed is, is the feed is just cluttered. Uh, it's also great. I mean, great for shopping. Like Instagram really had, it was again, I think a great example, a great thing you said was a sweet spot. It did well for both of those areas. My last point uh, with this that Adam Usseri brought up is that they are trending poorly in bringing on or acquiring, you know, incoming generations. Mm. So you have these incoming generations that probably aren't going to be on Instagram. And that's an issue because you need to keep bringing on new users uh, so that you can continue to monetize. But because TikTok does what they're trying to do better, 
those incoming generations are just going to go and flock to TikTok, likely, or mm -hmm. YouTube Shorts. But if Instagram can truly differentiate itself, right? If it can truly be that that true middle ground between what a be real gives you with that intimacy and what TikTok gives you with that wonderful interest connection, then the incoming generations will have a true purpose for being on Instagram. I, I feel like it just it just lost the purpose for being on. I'm not on Instagram anymore mm -hmm. because I was like, I don't need to be on here anymore. I got you get my entertainment from TikTok. That's on be real. I'm you, on, you know it. I, okay, I downloaded Be Real, but I stopped <laughs> using it because I was just overwhelmed by sure. it. Maybe I'm not, you know, in in that I'm not that incoming generation there anymore. Where sure. where do you spend your social time? If our hordes of fans who are dying to meet you want to <laughs> want to find you, where do they go? Well, of course, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter, but I may bore you with creator economy content. But if you're listening to this, you can get it every single day. Uh, <laughs> LinkedIn, I post the same, but LinkedIn's also great. You can stalk my background, uh, and then TikTok. So there really is no place that I am on where like I share this intimate part of my life. It mm. seems to be like more professional or like hidden. Like an, I'm an anon on TikTok, <laughs> scrolling and just and just watching whatever the feed throws at me. So yeah, now everyone listening at home is going to know that you know you look nothing like your yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I don't look like that. Yeah, and I also think the trend is just folks uh, valuing privacy. Mm. So maybe there there isn't an entirely, and that's for another conversation, but isn't an entirely huge need for people to want to blast their lives out there. But I see my, my girlfriend, she's on Be Real and she loves posting on it and seeing what her friends are up to. So there's like clearly a demand for that type of content. She's definitely not on Instagram as much looking at photos. She gets her photos of friends and family from Be Real right now. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love the uh, the authenticity and the privacy that comes up there. I think we'll we'll have to pick that up another time. So our solution, I guess, let's say we become co-CEOs, is we need to find a, a sweet spot between what TikTok provides people and what Be Real is providing people. Done. And Instagram is that is that middle ground. I'm in. Boom. Boom. Last segment of today, we are going to talk about YouTube Shorts. Brett, you got this one. Take it away. So YouTube just had a, a big event today where they're announcing a lot of new things that they're working on. And one of their big announcements today, Tuesday, September 20th, is that YouTube now has a new revenue sharing model for creators. And that revenue model is, drum roll please, they'll pay creators 45% of ad dollars Woo! that come from shorts. That's a lot. Now, for reference... YouTube currently pays out 55% uh, of ad revenue on longer form content. So when you think of the ads on longer form content, you know, it's like the mid-roll ads, you're in the middle of watching a video and you get an ad there or in the beginning. So this is a huge deal because it, it really just makes YouTube Shorts the most attractive platform for creators producing short form content that is then beating out Reels and TikTok. So it's giving uh, creators a big reason to ignore TikTok and Reels and turn away from them. Mm. Uh, so for some numbers, let's dive into the numbers here. YouTube paid out over $30 billion in ad revenue to its creators over the past three years, specifically focused on long-form content. Wow. And in comparison, TikTok has only paid creators out from their $200 million creator fund. So there's no revenue share from ads on TikTok. And while the TikTok creator fund is set to hit a billion dollars over the next three years, it's still tiny compared to the 30 billion paid out by YouTube over the past few years, mm. which of course is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And so what YouTube is basically saying is that you can genuinely make a living 
as a creator posting YouTube shorts content, which I think is unbelievably exciting. And it just has been a, a big concern voiced by a lot of creators and operators in the space that, oh, TikTok's great and you put all this time into it, but you can't make a living doing it. So being a creator is not sustainable with short form, but YouTube uh, you know, could be challenging that. So if you were a creator, like why would you not be devoting your time into YouTube shorts if, if you're a short form um, content creator? Okay. I'm glad you added that last bit of if you're a short form content creator, because I was going to say the, the reason I wouldn't is because it doesn't play to my unique strength. So I'm assuming that I'm a video creator by nature. I like it. I have the setup, have the gear, have the ideas. Okay. Why would I not use YouTube shorts? I would need to know more about the differences in distribution between TikTok reels and shorts to give a full commentary on this. At the moment, I've been repurposing pretty uniformly across them, but I also am not an expert across those uh, across those platforms. I think the reason why perhaps I wouldn't use it is if my content, if I was growing on another platform, so if I, specifically if I was optimizing for TikTok, is there uniform crossover between TikTok and YouTube Shorts? I'm not sure. I know that TikTok has, uh, like there's some very specific things you can do to grow on there. For example, the thumbnail using TikTok's uh, text, the red, the black, red, and blue box. Is that going to work on YouTube Shorts? I'm not so sure. Honestly, I'm pretty tempted to say I would just go all in on this. And it's because I think one of the most powerful things in the world is incentive alignment. When you have two parties that want to move towards the same thing and they're they're able to get compensated off it, you can move mountains. That's what we believe here at Workweek. That's how we've structured things with our creators is making sure the incentives line up so we can build media companies with them. Same thing with YouTube Shorts. Now there's a real incentive for a short form video creator to invest time into shorts, especially when the distribution is blowing up, when YouTube is pumping shorts pretty pretty intensely right now. So it does seem like a pretty clear decision. And if you're a creator on YouTube currently or planning to shift now, if you're producing content between both YouTube shorts and it's longer form content, and you're able to make 55% of the ad revenue from the long form content and 45% of the ad revenue that comes from your shorts content, you are getting a ton of revenue share between two forms of content. And you can actually just record a long form piece of exactly. content. And then just repurpose it. And just it. repurpose it. And like <laughs> YouTube is literally setting creators up to make a shit ton of money. Loads. And I get it. You need, you need to qualify. Uh, you need to qualify to obviously be part of its creator program. But if you do yeah. qualify and you do reach the numbers that grant you a payout, yeah. I mean, you, you are completely incentivized to produce outstanding content, both short form and long form. And because the incentives align, it's going to lead audiences like you and me to want to go and watch content on YouTube because simply the best content is there mm-hmm. because the creators are incentivized to produce the best content. And is this going to destroy TikTok? I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think that folks will will still want to be on TikTok and the content will still be there. But I do think uh, uh, YouTube is giving Instagram and TikTok a run for its money. And it's, it's, it's I think it's going to cause uh, pressure on them. To, to, to open to open up these type of uh, uh, revenue shares, so good on YouTube. This is super exciting. I saw Twitter blowing up about it, and uh, I'm just more excited to see what the the revenue numbers look like uh, a year from now, and yeah. how much you know Mr. Beast made or 
other big time creators. Yeah. Uh, this dumb, dumb numbers. Dumb um, numbers. Stupid numbers. Yeah. Ridiculous numbers. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Well, that about does it for today. So thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And uh, remember, keep on creating. You can have subpar content maybe once or twice, but you've got to keep that quality high. And what really matters is that consistency. If you just stick at it, good things will happen as, as we can attest to coming up to the end of season one of Make Work Fun. So thank you all for listening. Brett, any final words you want to share with our listeners? If you've been contemplating producing on YouTube, I think you have your answer today. Get producing, produce consistently, and become that creator you've been dreaming of becoming. Boom, mic drop. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Keep the fun coming by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? It really helps us spread our message. We'll see you next time.